0: I got saved uh, 42 years ago. On a Wednesday night, I came to the Rock House. I was a bartender. Uh, I drank about, uh, well, first of all, let me qualify something here. If this is your first Sunday here, please do not judge this church based on anything that I say. Because the pastor's a lot nicer than me. So if you're looking for churches, you have to come back next Sunday for him because it may work out better for you. So if I say anything and you're going, oh, man, I just don't get that guy, please do not hold anything against this church or this pastor because of me today. You have to come back next Sunday just to qualify a few things. 42 years ago, I came on a Wednesday night. I was a bartender. I was drinking an average, probably about a quarter Southern Comfort a day uh, smoking 10 to 15, you know, 10 to 12 joints a day. Besides the speed, the mescaline, the hash, uh, and the quaaludes, because the speed will take you up, then the quaaludes bring you down, and then between you're drinking and smoking. So it was kind of a constant roller coaster. And I uh, ended up. Someone brought me uh, to a Wednesday night service, and uh, I got saved. Yeah. I went home that night. My girlfriend was there uh, who was living with me. She had a drink, and she had a joint all rolled up. And I went, no, not tonight, uh, and, and made her sleep on the couch. And uh, I said, I, I just need to figure some things out. And uh, so then the, the next night, same thing, made her sleep on the couch again. Third day, I said, you know, I, I really need some time alone, and so I, I think you need to, to move out. Her mom hated me, hated me. And uh, because she couldn't believe that her daughter was living with such a heathen. Well, she was a heathen, too. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so her mom didn't like me. Uh, so after she moved out, four hours later, she shows up with her mom. And now her ma- mom is mad that I kicked her out and wants her to move back in. I'm thought, man, this must be the devil. This don't make sense at all. <laughs> and so uh, I continued to uh, come to church. And... Uh, grow, and I uh, went to school, uh, was here for two years, went to Bible school uh, two years after that, so, and then two years after that was in the Philippines, so I got saved in 1976, was in the Philippines in 1980. That's pretty extreme, huh? I I think extreme's kind of fun. Yeah, that's a good way to live life, and uh, so we've been there ever since. And God has just done phenomenal things above and beyond. When we went to the Philippines, we didn't have a clue. And uh, so if you're praying for your teenagers and for sons and daughters and you think, man, they are so messed up, they are so gone, let me tell you, I am a living testimony of that prayer works. You know, I, it, seriously. It is a miracle I am alive. I mean, I can't tell you how many days of driving from here over to the coast in Melbourne uh, late at night, so stoned out of my mind, drunk, a combination of both, and doing about 130, 140 miles an hour on a motorcycle at night. Uh, Or coming home at night and seeing three sets of headlights coming at you and you're only on a two-lane road. And you know that out of those three sets of headlights, one is real, two are not. So, before you get to those headlights, you hold on to the uh, steering wheel and pick one. And right before you get there, close your eyes. And if you can open your eyes, you got lucky. And so that was my life before I met Jesus. When I met Jesus, I got saved, I got delivered, I got set free, I got turned around. And God said, You are absolutely nuts. You are crazy. You'll do anything, I can use you in the kingdom. Now, my wife won't appreciate this, but I mean, even back in the days when we used to go to uh, the Daytona bike races and stuff, we'd come back just crazy. I was the first official streaker in our hometown, buck naked, just right down the lakefront. And... Uh, So if you think your kids are beyond help, I'm here to encourage you this morning. (laughs) Nobody is beyond the reach of Jesus. You have no idea what God puts inside of people. That's why you need to be nice to the person sitting next to you because you have no idea what's inside them. In fact, you ought to look at them and say, if you knew who you were sitting next to today, you'd take me out to lunch. No. Let's, let's get into the Word before I get carried away. And uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, I want to share something with you that really fits together with what Pastor Alex was sharing. And now I, I will try as much as possible to refer to him as Pastor Alex, but inadvertently I may call him Alex, but I have known this man for 42 years. I love this man with all of my heart. And my whole life with Jesus began with this man. I got saved. I got baptized in water and got filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, it, uh, with Pastor Alex. And so this man is very dear to me as well as Judy and their daughters and, uh, and their son-in-laws and everybody else. So uh, I don't know where you've been, but I feel like family here. And uh, so, uh, amen. It's just good to be here. 2 Kings chapter 4. Verse 1 A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. This is not a good day. So Elisha said to her, oh, What do you want me to do for you? What a ridiculous question. Isn't it obvious? My, my husband used to work for you, I'm in debt, the creditor is coming. I owe so much, he's going to take my kids away as slaves. Now, I know you may have debt, but nobody's coming to take your kids. This is a bad day. This is a serious situation. And then he goes, well, oh, what do you want me to do for you? Well, how about a little help? Hello? Isn't it obvious? Sometimes you have to continue to read. That's like when when... Bartimaeus is on the street corner, and he cries out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they tell him to be quiet, and he gets louder, and Jesus says, Bring him to me. And then when they bring him to Jesus, I mean, blind is not his name. That's his condition. So they bring this blind man to Jesus, and what does Jesus ask him? What do you want me to do for you? Come on, Lord. What do you want me to do for you? And we could have said, you know, I am so hungry. I haven't eaten in three days. My coat is kind of old. And, you know, it gets gets colder in wintertime in Israel. Or every time you show up somewhere to teach, by the time I hear about you, by the time I get there, you know, because it takes me a long time to get there, you're already gone. I've never heard you teach. I hear about you, but I've never heard. There could have been a whole variety of things. But he said, I want to see. And then he said, well, be it unto you according to your faith. And his eyes opened up. When you look through the Old Testament and the New Testament, you'll find the majority of times that people needed a miracle, they got instructions. That will help some of you right there. So, no, I just need the answer. Well, no, you'll get an instruction. You'll get an opportunity to believe and to obey. No, I really don't want to believe and I don't want to obey. I just want you to drop it on me. That's why some of you are still waiting. Because God's Word is not going to change. If If you want it the way it was done from the old until the new, you're going to have to do it the way the Bible says. What do you want me to do for you? What do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing. I got nothing in the house. Well, I do have a little jar of oil. He said, well, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather a few. In other words, go, get as many as you possibly can. Don't cut this short. Get as many as you can. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then you shall pour it it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Now, she didn't interrupt him. She kept listening to him because she could have said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want me to gather a lot of vessels? I just told you I have a little bit of oil. Be careful that when God is talking, you don't interrupt. Too many times we make excuses before we've heard the whole story. That's why defensive people have a hard time receiving from the Lord because they're already trying to explain or figure out why it won't work or why they can't change or why God can't use them. He can use anybody, He can make donkeys talk. Again, you qualify. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. She sent her boys out. Boys, go, go, every, go, go to every house, get every empty vessel you can possibly find, bring it in here. And she came in, she shut the door behind her. Now it came to pass, say it came to pass. With what Pastor Alex was saying about breaking lack, I believe this needs to be the new testimony in your life, and it came to pass. Say that again. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. See, that is the testimony behind the promise of God's word to you. Understand this. God is responsible to keep his promise to you, but he's not responsible to keep the potential that lies in you. One is his job. One is yours. Say, it came to pass. Amen. I believe that's your new testimony where you consistently, consistently are able to say, it came to pass. It came to pass. Now, it came to pass when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And they said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, okay, go and sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Talk about breaking lack. You see, the woman came looking for resources and for provision. Elisha wants to take her to a higher level of understanding the source and the provider. That's some of your answer right there. Too many times we're, we're looking for the resources and the provision and, and we're missing the connection with the source. We're so caught up with, with resources, and, but you don't understand yet your true source. You're not your source. Your job is a great blessing, but God is your source. That's why you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So see, she's looking for someone to meet her needs, and Elisha is trying to take her to another level. Let me let me show you how this is gonna work. I'm not gonna do this. God is gonna work on your behalf. The first response is to ignore her own oil. I have nothing. Her miracle was hidden in the thing she almost did not mention. And I believe you have miracles hidden in things that you don't yet recognize the value of what you have because you deem it insignificant or you minimize it or you're doing that to yourself. You deem yourself insignificant and you minimize who you are. It's not about who you are. It's about whose you are and who's in you and who he's made you. You need to understand the dual revelation that Peter got when Jesus said, Who do men say that I am? Peter said, Well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus went on to say, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say to you. You see, Jesus said, Blessed are you. See, blessings come when you have a revelation of who he is. Blessings, Blessings continue when you get the revelation of now how he sees you. It's got to go both ways. But I say unto you, you are Peter. And then Jesus begins to tell Peter how he sees him. you got to get the full revelation. Not just how you see him, but how does he see you. Your freedom isn't just based on you loving God. It's based on you understanding how much God really loves you. Her first response is to ignore her own oil. Ignore what she had. Sometimes it's not not giving you something that you don't have. It's pointing out what you don't recognize. And I believe every single one of you has something in your life that God wants you to begin to pour it out, and it's the key, to increase in your future. You have to get past and beyond past hurts, pains, disappointments, and discouragements. and You cannot allow discouragements or hurts or disappointments to define you. Because whatever God is doing, whatever he's done in your past, I believe he will do it again. You know, we sang that wonderful song. Let me tell you, uh, our, our life is a testimony of that. I don't know what you think about people that come up on the platform, you know, we preach and we teach and, and life is all good, Man, life, life is painful. Life hurts. And one of the things I've learned about pastoring, sheep bite. <laughs> and sometimes you don't have sheep, you got goats in there too. And it's, I mean, when we first started our church, our well, first year of our church, we went $20,000 in debt, me and Shadi, because we used to be missionaries, and when we started the church, Our first 10 years, we we did everything. I mean, evangelistic crusades, pastors' uh, seminars, started Bible schools, had a 75-foot boat for island evangelism, and we did all kinds of things, radio ministry, feeding programs, orphanages, and then we moved to Manila, and God said, I want you to start a church. I didn't want to live in Manila. I didn't want to start a church. But, you know, when you get into a, a discussion with God, it's okay if you argue in the beginning, but when you get to the end of the conversation, make sure you agree. I mean, you might as well be honest because he's already—he knows what's in your heart. Moses argued with God. So did Gideon. Moses said, "I, I, 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 I don't speak so good." God said, "Well, who made your mouth? You're not going to win the argument." Besides that, you're, when you begin to look at yourself, you're going, "I, I, I don't think I can do this," and God goes, "You, you, 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 you can't." That's why I picked you, because you're going to have to totally depend upon me. Because in and of yourself, believe me, you ain't got it. See, my greatest strength is knowing I don't have much. I have nothing that qualifies me to do what I do. I am what I am by the grace of God. We started our church and... Of course, people in the state stopped supporting us as missionaries. Oh, you got a, you started a church now. And I thought, wait a minute—we we got 30 people in a restaurant, man. I'm, I'm leading worship. That was scary. <laughs> no musicians. I'm leading worship, and when they came back the next week, I knew. Oh, and then this must be God. They come back after that. This has to be God. Well, <laughs> we were shopping on credit cards. We had no money. We were broke. People stopped supporting us because we started a church. And went, come on now. Don't we believe in churches too? Well, let your church support you. Man, these are, not, these are ex-heathens. These people don't know nothing about church. I've had to cast a devil out of half of them. <laughs> they don't know anything about giving. Now we have a beautiful We have a four-story facility. I mean, you saw the sanctuary. And you know and I just want to give a testimony to this man here. I love this man with all my heart. We, we had built our sanctuary, and it was two stories, and then we needed to increase. We needed to go up, and, 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 and they have a construction company. Um, he started it with his father's father's gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, Albert's the head of the construction company now, and, and we really needed to go up and, cr- and increase and, uh, our building in a serious, serious way. And, uh, but I had been under so much pressure for so many years but we, we, we just were in a place we needed to grow, we needed to increase. And so we talked to Albert, and he said, okay, pastor, what can you afford to give on a monthly basis? And so we said, well, this is, this is a stretch, this is what we can do. And, and he said, okay. He talked to his father, and, and then, then when we had the meeting, he said, if you can make these, these payments um, every single month, I said, yeah, we can do that. He said, okay, let's do it. He says, we will build the building. We will go from start to finish. We'll provide all the materials. We'll do it. Uh, no interest. And if you can make those payments, we will, we will go ahead and finish the building. And you just keep paying us and, uh, until it's done. And I say, okay, uh, have your dad send over the, the papers and everything, and we'll sign it. He said, no, 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 no. He said, not necessary. Uh, I remember, I'll never forget those words. Palabra de honor. For those of you who don't speak Spanish, word of honor. He said, Dad said, all we need is your handshake. All I I need is your handshake, Pastor. That's good enough for me. We'll build this building. And they built our building. And we made our payments every single month. (laughs) We have a beautiful four-story building. From that church, now we have 125 churches in six different nations. And our building is debt-free. And it's paid for in pesos. I don't raise money in America for my building. So who are we giving to? Well, you can give to me, but it ain't going to the church because I have to teach the pastors around the world and in Asia that that we don't need America to build buildings in the Philippines. There's money in the Philippines to build this building. Because if I build my building based on dollars, then how do the pastors around the nation of the Philippines build their buildings when they don't travel into America? God is big enough to build the buildings in the world, and His provision can be seen. I need to get into my message. You need to get a word from the Lord that speaks to your situation. You need to trust it, you need to obey it. Don't ignore it, don't delay it, don't minimize it. Delayed obedience usually turns into disobedience. Ephesians 3:20 in the Passion Translation. I've been reading this lately. I really, really like this translation. Now, we know in the New King James, it says, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, think, dream, hope, or imagine. In the, in the Passion Translation, it says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely infinitely more than your greatest request. Thank you for that exciting Amen. How many of you believe that God can do more than you've ever asked him to do? Some of you are struggling if he's even listening to what you're asking. It says, he he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream. Your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. Let me tell you, I can imagine some crazy stuff now. I'm already looking at another building. I need the owners to vacate it <laughs> because I want it. It's, it's kind of like a Sam's or a Costco. I could, I could do about a 5,000 seat auditorium in that. They need to get a word from the Lord or a visitation from Gabriel, Michael. I don't care who visits them. <laughs> you need to move. New life needs this building. Amen. Amen. You said, That's pretty wild. Why? Life is too short to dream small dreams. God is too good and too big to live a small life. I've already seen God do something. I have seen God do things with my life I never dreamed, I never hoped, and I never imagined. And there's things that I see him doing now and wanting to do. I'm going, Lord, this is pretty cool. And I hear the Spirit of God on the inside of me saying, Son, you ain't seen nothing yet. You have no idea what I really want to do, but I can't show it to you now because it'll just kind of freak you out. (laughs) Some of you have so minimized yourself That when you put yourself in a box, you bring God in your box with you. God won't get in your box. He's too big to get in your box and he wants to pull you out of your box. In fact, he wants to break your box and burn your box. (laughs) Because we've put such limitations and boundaries and barriers on on what we expect because of past disappointments and we don't want to expect too much. No, you you cannot try to keep your expectation little in case you might get hurt. No, you need to be a prisoner of great expectation, not a prisoner of failed expectation. It's time to dream again. It's time to believe God that there's so much more for your life. And it begins with you using and getting involved in some areas that you consider insignificant things he wants you to say, things he wants you to do, the way he wants you to serve, how he wants you to give. Well, I I really don't have a lot. I don't care if you scrape the bottom of your purse and find some coins in there with a lint and that lost piece of gum and chapstick and put that in the offering. Because sometimes I don't believe God counts an offering as much as he weighs it. And the weight of the offering depends on the heart that's in the offering. He will achieve infinitely, be more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. There's more inside of you than you're giving him credit for, the more than than what you recognize. Whatever your situation, it's not nothing. God is in it. Don't limit him. Say, well, it might not be very much. Yeah, but it's not nothing. It may be a mustard seed of faith, but it's not nothing. A mustard seed is smaller than an avocado seed, but a mustard tree is three times larger than an avocado seed. Don't limit what's inside the seed and call it insignificant. Plant it and let get released what's inside that seed. Stop judging what you have. Stop judging who you are. And allow the significance to be birthed out of what you have considered insignificance. When you consider something insignificant and you minimize it, you stifle the the increase and the greatness that God wants to bring in your life. The devil can't stop you from doing certain things, but he can minimize you so you will consider it so insignificant you won't say it, you won't pray it, you won't give it, and you won't touch. And life is released through touch. Amen. Second Corinthians 4, 7. Let's look at that. In the, also in the Passion Translation. <laughs> Pretty good. That's close. We are like common clay jars. What is clay made from? Earth. Dirt. So don't get too excited. You're just good-looking dirt. (laughs) We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's, not ours. Get your eyes off your vessel and back on the treasure that's on the inside of you. Say, well, you know, I, I really don't have anything. No, 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 a mustard seed is not nothing, it's small, but there's significance to it. A little boy's lunch is not much, but it's not nothing, it fed a multitude. A sling and, and some rocks was not nothing, but it killed a giant, and David picked up five rocks, which was a prophetic word, because there were five giants, and they all died. Since the enemy can't take what God gave you, he wants you to look at it, to minimize it, and keep it insignificant. You have to go beyond the reason. You have to go beyond natural understanding. That's why Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So whatever way you're looking at, acknowledge God. Acknowledge God. Look at him. Get out of the reasonings of your mind. Don't allow your mind to limit you. Allow your mind to live under the shadow of your heart. Stop allowing your heart to live under the shadow of your head. In Luke 1.37, after Gabriel was done, when he was talking to Mary, talking about something that's impossible, a virgin becoming pregnant. How many know that's, Im- that's impossible? Through a conversation. Well, oh, come on now. I mean, don't go home and try to tell your daddy. We were just talking. No, 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 no. So when, when Gabriel first starts talking to her, she goes, oh, you know, I don't understand. How can this be? I mean, this don't make sense. It's not natural. How can this be? I've never been with a man, and, you know, I know how things work. How could this possibly be? Well, he says that the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and he will overshadow you. And as he begins to explain it, then she gets to the point. She says, okay, be it unto me according to your word. This is wild. This is crazy. It really doesn't make sense. It's not natural. It's not practical. It's beyond the reasoning of my mind, but... If it's your word, I'll take it. How many things have you reasoned away because your head didn't understand it, and because your head didn't understand it, you didn't speak it to someone? Because your head didn't understand it, you didn't give. Because your head didn't understand it, you didn't stop and just touch that person and bring some comfort or some peace or, or let them know that Jesus loves them and cares about their life. Because your head didn't understand it, you allowed reason to steal The insignificant seed that was getting ready to birth a miracle in your life. You've got to own your own oil. Seize the strength of the season that you are in. This season, this is your day. And you shut the door. When you bring the vessels in, shut the door. Cut off all the distractions. Blocking your way to a blessing. Shut the door on the drama and other people's opinion in your life. What do you have in your house? Go to your neighbors, get some containers, and begin to pour. Increase did not come waiting to receive, increase came when the pouring began. Some of you are waiting for increase, and you're just walking around like an empty vessel, waiting for someone to pour into you. That's not the way it works. You pour, increase comes. Yeah but I don't have much and you'll never have more till you begin to give what you have. You speak words of life to your husband, to your wife, to your kids. You show some kindness, you walk in mercy, you give out that forgiveness. You may not have a lot of positive words to sp- to say. Spit out three or four. Most powerful sermon in the Bible was only eight words. And it was from a reluctant prophet when Jonah, after getting spit up on the beach by a whale, walks through Nineveh and says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Eight words. That's it. Eight words. That's all he said. Didn't even want to say that. Actually, he wanted Nineveh to be judged because they were very harsh people to the children of Israel. He goes, God, I know you. I know you're going to forgive them. I I don't want to forgive them. I want them to die. Kill them all. But you know once you've been in the belly of a well for 3 days that'll that might get you to surrender. So he walks through Nineveh and all he says is read it it's it's there. I wouldn't lie to you it's Sunday. <laughs> Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all he said. That's all he said and he didn't even want to say it. And God took those words and an entire city repented. From a city repented from eight words. I had a young lady that approached me when I was working as a bartender, and she's the one that brought me to the rock house. And, and, and I want to give you the whole story because I'm running out of time. But she looked into my eyes one night, and she says, Jesus loves you and cares about your life. You know how many words that is? Eight I said, say what? Long story short, I met her in the lobby of the hotel where I was working at as a bartender. It was a service restaurant on one side, a uh, French cafe, service bar on the back for about four restaurants. She came up, wanted a Coke. She was gorgeous. I mean, just drop-dead gorgeous. And then she goes, don't I know you? I said, I think so. After talking for a while, she says, why don't you come over when you get off work tonight? I said, I don't get off till about 1230. She goes, I'll wait up. Okay. (laughs) Got off work, made myself a large drink of Southern Comfort, went out to my car, did a line of Coke, went to her house, go to her house. She's there in a pair of shorts, halter top, sit on the couch. She says, you want some coffee? I said, no, I brought my own. She said, do you know why I asked you to come over here? I said, I think so. And she looked right through me. She said, the reason I asked you to come over here was to tell you that Jesus loves you and he cares about your life. Was I surprised? Mm. I don't suggest any of you young ladies ever do anything like that. Unless you have a word from heaven and angelic visitation. But three nights later, she had me in the rock house. I gave my life to Jesus. Then she introduced me to her best friend, whom I later married. And so it's all good from there. There won't be any more oil until you start pouring. It's not a nothing. And it won't be more until you start pouring. We get dry not because of what we don't receive, but because we've stopped pouring out like i said if when you minimize it you don't pour you don't give you don't pray you don't speak you don't touch increase comes from pouring out not waiting to be poured into it's what happens behind closed doors the next vessel you pour and then you pour and then you pour and then you pour, then you pour until there's no more vessels I already read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. I believe God wants to bring increase into your life, but you're going to have to stop minimizing and stop treating as insignificant. Listen, I, I have seen God do things for us and on our behalf and that are actually phenomenal from overcoming sickness and disease and challenges. In the last seven years, seven years ago, my wife was diagnosed with dengue fever and, and pneumonia at the same time. Two weeks, uh, two months later, she was diagnosed with TB and with cancer at the same time. She has come through that. She is now healed and whole. That's been almost seven years ago. <laughs> a month and a half ago, a little over that, Shadi was in pain, and we went to the doctor, and after examinations, the doctor said, she... Uh, her kidney function is at 25%. We're looking at almost total kidney failure. You know, and he used the word dialysis. I, I don't like that word. Or surgery, and I didn't like that word either. So we began to pray. See, these aren't just messages we preach. These are things that we live out. These are things that we walk out. A couple weeks later, we go back and test. He said, he said, Pastor Paul, he goes, God's done it again. He's done it again. He said, a kidney level is back. Function is back up to 75%. Once it falls down to that level, it doesn't usually turn around and it never turns around that fast. Yeah, but what he does, he does again and again and again and again. Let me read this to you and I want to close. Mark chapter eight, verse 22. I really felt led at the end of the last service. Then they brought to him, then he came to Bethsaida and they brought him a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, anybody want their eyes prayed for today? I feel a spitting anointing coming on me. He spit on his eyes, put his hands on him, and he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up, and he said, I see men walking like trees. Let me ask you a question. How does a blind man know what trees look like? Obviously, he wasn't born blind. He had seen before, but he lost his vision. Then he put his hands on his eyes again. Say again. He put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. You see, Jesus is a do-it-again type Savior. And he doesn't want you walking with vague vision, expectation, and recognition of something that represents the past. He wants clarity to what you have for the future. He wants restored vision. He wants increase. And it comes by you using and not minimizing or looking as insignificant. And that what he has put into your hand, no matter how small The words you have to speak, the touch you have to give, what you have to give, how you may serve. But in that, and in the using of that, there is an increase that will continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And and you shall not lack. Lord Jesus, write these words beyond the ears into the hearts of every man and woman that is here, recognizing, though it may be small, it's not insignificant. Let us not limit who you are and what you have and the great things that you have for the days that lie ahead. For you are the Lord, our shepherd, and we shall not lack. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.
1: be seated for just a moment. ask no one to leave for just a moment. We're going to receive an offering, and I want us all to really, really push it and do as much as you can. Pastor Paul, we're very proud of you and your life, and your word that you give is always so insightful and life-changing. I know your life has been very hard, very difficult, but you stand in the world like the Apostle Paul as a great man of faith, and today we honor you and we say thank you. don't, we have speakers, but you don't don't find men like this anymore. Very, very unusual. That are totally self-giving and sacrificial. That cares for one man, Albert, and will call him out and thank him for what he did. So I want us this morning, students, I want us to really push the Point here and give You can text Let's let us let him go back To his city And let him be blessed His children His two grandchildren and Let's do what we can To bless him We're very honored To have him here today So you can Either text give Or you can use your credit card There but we're going to pray over Pastor Paul, our Father, we thank you that today we have heard more than a talk, we've heard the words of a life, and we pray now for Shadi in Manila, we pray for Brittany, Stephen, Ryan, and the two grandchildren. We pray a blessing on New Life Churches all over the nations of the world. Let Pastor Paul go from here today and feel encouraged, inspired, and may our giving be reflective of what we really think about his calling, his ministry, and his life. So we pray a prayer of blessing, and Lord, I... I ask this to be a really big offering that will shock him. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. I'm going to do some miracles in just a moment. No one leave. Miracles are going to happen in just a moment. He's going to do it again. came in this place and we heard a story of what God could do in the life of a bartender, a man who was captured by drugs. We heard the story about a godless man who one day heard about Jesus' love. And that's a story that can be repeated again. May not be on drugs, We know that every single one of us can be forgiven of our sins. We don't have to live our lives sensing shame and sensing regret the rest of our lives because we messed them up. And every person messes their life up before coming to Jesus. It's a matter of extent. This cross is up here, and it speaks to us that Jesus is the head of this church. And that Jesus died on the cross so we could be forgiven. And while the enemy says, you're done, you're over, look what you have done. And shame takes us out. And Jesus says, I have something better than shame. And Jesus says, I love you. And that's what he says to every person here that needs Jesus in a moment, we're gonna to count to three. and You're gonna have an opportunity to do what Paul did and to raise your hand in faith, not understanding the whole thing, but knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And your life on this Sunday will be dramatically changed like his was that day, years ago. So don't you allow the enemy to keep you where you are. Don't you allow the enemy to intimidate you and tell you that you're not deserving of his love. If that was the case, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. I'm gonna count to three, and maybe you're away from Christ or whatever it is and you need prayer. Don't leave this place without receiving a free gift and walk out of here a forgiven man, a forgiven student, a forgiven woman, I'm gonna count to three, you have the audacity to put your hand up like he did that night, because you can get out. We're singing this thing about moving the mountain or doing it again. See, he does it again. He takes another person and their life changed. Life has changed. One, two, three. Throw up your hand all over this place, yes. Throw it up, throw it up, put it up, throw it up, throw it up, 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 throw it up, yes, yes, yes. Now, if you raise your hand, no one move for a second. If you raise your hand, get out of your chair, walk down here and stand here. And we're going to have a one minute prayer just before we leave. In the balcony, come around. Get out of your chair. Come right there. Over here. Come. Do it again. Do it again. Come down here. Come down here. Come down here in Jesus' name. Yes. 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 That's it. Come right now from the balcony. Yes, over here, come on up. thank all of you for being courageous and coming up here and our, our focus is not on how bad you've been, but our focus in this church is on how good Jesus is, that he takes us where we are and he exposes us to the wonderful grace that comes from him. In religion, you try to go out and be better. That's not what we're trying to do. He comes not to work on our behavior. He works on our hearts. This is about a heart transformation. And how does that happen? You were moved by faith. That's why you came. You believe Jesus is real. And now, without knowing everything, you simply have a prayer to him and asking him and Christ comes in and changes your life and when he changes your heart then you begin to follow Jesus and then you become more like the one you follow right after this prayer pastor Dave is here and a couple of our people we're gonna take you to the right for two minutes we want to give you some more material about Jesus Jesus your next step is to go public with water baptism and say, look, let the whole world know I'm a follower of Jesus. Amen. Now we're going to say this prayer. Some of you are watching in other nations of the world and you're watching and this is your moment. No matter how bad you are, this is your moment. I'm going to ask everyone from the back of the balcony to say this prayer and make it loud because we want the enemy to know that he is crushed right now. Say it with me. Jesus, Jesus. I put my faith in you you. that you took my sin on the cross. cross. I confess and believe believe that that God raised Jesus from the dead and he is alive. And I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Give me your grace. The gift of righteousness and eternal life. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, you are in the family of God.